Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Paul, in the middle of a Roman jail cell, has spent page after page bringing Jesus to the forefront and saying, listen, friends, do you lack something to be thankful for? Look to Jesus. How about this? Try this. You once were lost, but now you're found. How about this? You once were blind, but now you see. How about this? Once you were headed toward eternal judgment, and now you're headed toward eternal glory. Once you had no father, and now you have a father. This is what's filled up in Paul's heart. Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hoping God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. We live in a world where anxiety, depression, and worry are running absolutely rampant. However, Jesus doesn't want us to spend even one minute in needless worry. In today's message, Pastor Ricky teaches us how to gain our peace back by following the instructions of the Apostle Paul. First and foremost, we need to maintain an attitude of gratitude. When we're thankful for all that God does for us, it helps us gain heavenly perspective. Secondly, we should focus on good and pure things instead of what ails us. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message, Three Threats to Peace, from the book of Philippians, chapter four. See, in any situation, there are maybe, especially any anxiety-inducing situation, there's maybe 10 things you could do and should do, and 10,000 things that you cannot control, right? Have you ever experienced that? If somebody you love has been sick or hurt, if there's a situation at work, if there's an interpersonal conflict, the number of things that you can do to affect it are like this, and the number of things that you cannot control are all out here, right? You can't fix their white blood cell count. You can't force your boss to make a decision in a certain direction. You can't do any of those things. And yet, the Lord reigns. This is what Paul says. Look to the Lord. God, your father, is also the sovereign king of the universe. And God is sovereign over those 10,000 things that you cannot control. So... Does it make more sense, Paul says, to talk to yourself over and over or to talk to God about the thing that you're concerned about? God who holds the universe in the palm of his hand. God who loves you and is for you. Paul is saying, stop talking to yourself. Talk to the Lord about this. God both has a plan for all things and God invites us to pray. And our prayers make a difference in God's mysterious providence. Right? You think, well, if God's sovereign, then why would I pray? Listen, friends, I, we're not going to be able to spend like the 45 minutes on that that probably it would take to get into that. But we do know this. The Bible affirms both. The Bible affirms God really is sovereign over all things, and God charges us to pray and talk to our Father. And so somehow, in God's mysterious providence, our prayers matter. Our prayers matter. Our prayers accomplish things. Jesus calls us to pray. So, Paul says, do that. Don't be anxious. Instead, turn and pray. Let your request be made known to God. Talk to God. So consider, friend, if if you are anxious, do you just talk to yourself or do you talk to God? Jesus said that no one by anxiety can add a single day to his life. But scripture says that the prayer of a righteous person avails much or accomplishes much. 
one of the challenges here is sometimes our prayers are not always answered in the way that we would like to have them answered. But we do know this. God is sovereign. God is good. And the answer to our prayers is either yes or I have something better. That God has a plan. And there are times where God, in his plan, delights to give us exactly what we ask for. And Jesus has said, listen, you don't have because you're not asking. And so I don't want that to be the case of my life. I want to ask. But sometimes the Lord says, no, or not right now, or I have something better. But here's what I do know. That as we talk to our Heavenly Father, our anxiety slips away as our vision fills with the God who holds all things in the palm of his hand. And prayer always changes, always changes at least one thing, and that is us, right? As we talk to the Lord, we find ourselves transformed. So pray. But second, he encourages us to do something else. Pray, but also rejoice. He says he's to pray, to to make your request known to God with supplication and with thanksgiving. And that term thanksgiving goes back to his encouragement in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So Paul has been encouraging the church toward this joy, toward rejoicing this whole letter. And and Paul has sort of been building up his commands. And finally, because he starts out by saying, I rejoice, I rejoice. Then he begins to tell the church, you guys rejoice, you guys rejoice. And now he gives kind of the pinnacle command And listen to how wide-ranging this is. He says, rejoice in the Lord, which we covered in 3.1. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, sorry, not 3.1. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. So he's not saying, look, when you feel it, rejoice. It's not like the song, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands it would be like the song being, clap your hands, right? It'd be a much shorter song, if you're happy and you know it. No, stop, stop with that, if, you know, if you're happy. I don't care if you're happy, clap your hands. Rejoice, clap your hands. That's, what, that's the effect of what Paul is saying. And then he says it again, because he thinks, maybe they're not getting this. So he says, and again, I will say, rejoice. This is a command. This is him charging the church to do this. Now listen, you think, okay, Paul, you got to qualify that a little bit, at least a little bit, because it seems insane. Regardless of what's going on, regardless of what is happening, regardless of what I'm experiencing, regardless of my circumstance, I'm just supposed to, without taking any of that into account, rejoice. Are you, are you serious with that? And Paul's saying, yeah, always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. What Paul is saying is that there is no situation where you cannot find something to rejoice in and be grateful for when you look at your heavenly father. Rejoicing and thanksgiving, guys, are one of the most powerful antidotes to anxiety in the universe. Because, and here's why, because anxiety brings us into a world where God our father is not there or is not good or does not care. And when we look in our lives and survey our lives and look at, oh my gosh, I have this to be thankful for. Oh my gosh, I have this to rejoice in. Oh my gosh, things may be bleak, things may be hard, but this, I can see a glimmer 
of the providence, the loving providence of my heavenly Father. It brings God back into view. It breaks the lies that we begin to believe because of anxiety and holds out to us, yes, the Lord is good. Yes, the Lord is here. Yes, the Lord loves me. And this is exactly what Paul says. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. See, those things are tied together, and one is the antidote for the other, right? You have anxiety, remember this, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is with you. The Lord loves you. And friends, if we ever lack something to be thankful for, because sometimes I know it can be hard to see in our daily lives, what, what do we have to be thankful for? That's why Paul has spent so much time in Philippians while he's in a jail cell laying out and lifting up Jesus. Because no matter our circumstances, no matter the pain in our lives, no matter the hurts, none of them change the fact that God the Father sent God the Son in the person of Jesus Christ to suffer and die for us, for our sins, that we could be raised to new life and receive a future and a hope. There is nothing that any circumstance in this life will do to touch or destroy that. And so there will be times where, listen, you can't see anything to be thankful for. You can't see any reason to rejoice for. And yet Paul, in the middle of a Roman jail cell, has spent page after page bringing Jesus to the forefront and saying, listen, friends, do you lack something to be thankful for? Look to Jesus. How about this? Try this. You once were lost, but now you're found. How about this? You once were blind, but now you see. How about this? Once you were headed toward eternal judgment, and now you're headed toward eternal glory. Once you had no father, and now you have a father. This is what's filled up in Paul's heart. Friends, Paul is living what he is charging the church to do. Hasn't he done this the whole letter? As he thinks, I may never see any of these people again. I may die beheaded a day from now. And yet the letter is filled with joy. And you think, listen, if anybody has reason to be anxious, it is this guy. It is Paul. He's anxious for his safety, for his health, for the churches, for the whole situation. And yet he's the happiest guy in Rome. Because he knows if the Lord is at hand, you can rejoice in the Lord always. And so the path between anxiety and peace is found in prayerfully rejoicing in the Lord. So consider this. When you are anxious, do you review what you have to rejoice in and thank God for? And sometimes, friends, it's, it's hard. I mean, there was, a, there was a, a time a few weeks ago, maybe it was a few months ago now, where I was just, it was like a number of things hit me at one time. And so what I did out of just like, desire to try to see is I wrote a bunch of little post-it notes that said grace and put them around the house. Like, okay, grace, we have a house. Awesome. Put one in the fridge. Grace, we have food to eat. Awesome. Put one in my bathroom mirror. Grace, I'm married to Jen, the best woman in the world. That's awesome. Grace, God made coffee and it didn't have to taste good, but it does, right? Grace, I have two kids. Grace, this is as bad as it's ever going to get in this world, and it only gets better from here. Grace, I'm not going to hell. I don't have to be afraid ever. 
right? And this is, this is what Paul is doing. He's what he's charging us to do. And so he's saying, listen, rejoice in what you can see. Remind yourself that the Lord is at hand and then talk to him about what you need. Talk to him about what you need. That's the second threat, anxiety and the way that it's answered. And third, briefly, third threat, worldly thinking. Worldly thinking. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and there it is again, and the God of peace will be with you. So the warning is that the way you think can rob yourself of peace in the case of anxiety, or the way you think can further the peace of God in your heart. So Paul's, when Paul says, think about these things, he's pointing out a place of intentional focus. And I don't think, it's easy to read this as sort of just random advice. Like, okay, randomly he brings up these two ladies, randomly he brings up anxiety, and now randomly, hey, think about good things. I think this is very intentional because I think what we focus on can either feed or starve our anxiety and our conflicts. What we focus on, what we think about, will either feed our conflicts and feed our anxiety or it will starve it and turn our attention elsewhere. And so Paul is saying, be careful. Where are your thoughts when you're in conflict? Where are your thoughts when you're anxious? They're often on the opposite of what these things are. They're often on what is untrue, what is dishonorable, what is impure, what is unlovely, what is not praiseworthy. Our thoughts can be consumed with what that person said to us and why we're angry, or what went wrong today, or what, what, what places we are struggling in and, and see evil and hatred and hardship. Now look, Paul is not saying ignore reality. He's not saying, like, pretend like nothing is happening. I saw this one famous actor one time. He was testifying in trial over something, and he, he involved in this, like, strange religion where they believe, like, they can control reality. And so he was like, this isn't happening. This isn't real. This isn't happening. This isn't real. And the judge is just looking at him like, hey, bud, this is happening, and this is real. And that's not what Paul is calling us. So he's not saying just, like, put on the rose-colored glasses and pretend everything's fine. No, what Paul is getting at is, is where is your focus? Where is your focus? What are you centered around in your thoughts? The issue is on what we put our focus on and what then defines our thinking. And the solution Paul brings up is to focus on what is true and excellent and what imitates God. Paul is, is giving them a list of virtues. Um, Alec Matier, a commentator, says this, the verb think about means to ponder to give, listen to this, to give proper weight and value to, and to allow the resultant appraisal to influence the way life is lived. To, I love that phrase, to give proper weight to. Because what happens in anxiety and conflict is we begin to give proper weight not to the right things, but to the wrong things, right? Not proper weight to who Jesus is and what he's done, but to our anxieties, to what they've done to us. And so he's saying, no, 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 no. Give proper weight again to the right things. And, and this is an intentional thing. See, often I think we and our thoughts are just sort of passive observers. We just think and, and feel things, and it's just like we're watching, like, watching it happen. Like, I'm thinking and feeling things. And Paul's like, no, 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 you decide what to focus on. You decide 
what is going to consume your thoughts. And now these, these things, he actually, he borrows a list of Roman virtues, but then repurposes them in a Christian context. So what Paul was saying is focus on what's true according to God, what's honorable and admirable according to God, what is just in the sight of God, what is pure and unstained before God, what is lovely and beautiful and reflecting of God. Paul is using the language of the Roman world to say, look at this, look at the world around you and some things will conform to God's character. Some things will reflect God's truth. Some things will reflect God's beauty. And when you see that, prize it, think about it, consider it, Put your focus on there. If you see an act of kindness, rejoice in it that it reflects God's character. If you hear a beautiful piece of music, rejoice in it that you hear the smile of your father in it. Here's the point. We are to curate what goes on the walls of our mind, and that will make all the difference. But curate, I love that word because it I think of like a museum, right? You think of somebody who's intentionally hanging pieces of art on the walls around you. And a lot of times we just like put up whatever comes in, right? We put our our focus on like, oh, that's that's in front of me. Sure, I'll focus on that. Paul said, no, no, no. Think carefully about what you put your focus on and how you process the world around you. And again, we can make this much simpler by saying, well, how do we do that? Well, we look to Jesus. See, Jesus was the perfect imprint of God's character. And not only did Jesus save us, for which we rejoice, but Jesus is also Christus exemplar, Christ our example. And and we're to look at and evaluate the world around us through the lens of who Jesus is and what he is like. Are we prizing the things that Jesus prizes? Are we weeping at the things that make Jesus weep? Are we walking through scripture and learning to evaluate life through the lens of, does this look like Jesus? Yes, I'm gonna hold on to it. Does it not look like Jesus? No, I'm gonna let go of it. So how do you do this practically? Well, verse nine, what you learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying to go back to the old things. Go back to what you already know. As we talked about a few weeks ago, our greatest need is often not in the Christian life for something new, some new truth, but something true, to go back to the old truths of Scripture. How were they to keep God's character in front of them so they could decide what to think? How were they to keep from meditating on their conflicts? How were they to keep the focus on rejoicing and thanksgiving? They were to remember what they had learned to go back to the gospel, to go back to the word of God. And then, I love this, they were just to live it out. He says, practice these things. Listen, there's a time for considering and pondering, and then sometimes you just got to get up and do it. Right? Sometimes what I do is I'm like, I'm, I feel anxious, and I pray, and I feel a bit better, but it's not all gone. And so I just want to keep like focusing on it to like, when is the anxiety going to totally go away? And sometimes God says, all right, get up and go. Do the stuff I have for you. Think about the things that you're supposed to and move on. Like, go obey me. When you're anxious, when you're fighting to rejoice, fight and read scripture, pray, ask for God's help, and then just get up and do it. And then, I love this, and then there is a surprising result. Then you experience God's peace. The peace of God will be with you. Sometimes we experience the peace of God, not just when we're up in our heads, but when we commit to follow him, right? Sometimes 
when you're in a conflict, you don't feel 100% peace when you're going to talk to that person, but you get up, you schedule the conversation, you get in front of them, and because you're obeying, the peace of God then is with you in a way that it wasn't a few hours ago. When you're fighting anxiety and somebody's hurt and you're going to the doctor with a family member and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this, and yet you do it and you're encouraging your family member, the peace of God then will come and guard your heart and your mind. When we get up and obey, sometimes that is when we experience the peace of God. So how do we sum this up? This is a really wide-ranging passage, and I think you could you can see that this could have been like, we could have done a sermon on each one of these verses. But I hope overall you're getting the theme that rather than just waiting for peace to kind of come into our lives, Paul is saying, no, go out and pursue this. Pursue the things of the Lord and you will experience peace. We stand firm in the peace, but not our peace. Not some peace that's internal to us. We stand firm in the peace of Christ. We can only pursue this peace and experience this peace because Jesus has won this peace. We can experience peace with one another only because Jesus has paid for our sins on the cross. We can lay down our demand that sins against us be paid for when we remember that our sins too have been paid for by Jesus. We can stop crucifying one another because Jesus was crucified for us. We can experience personal peace and freedom from anxiety only because Jesus has made peace possible on the deepest spiritual level. Our greatest anxiety should be how we will stand before God. And yet Jesus died for us that we might stand in peace and righteousness before our Father. We can be at peace then in any and every circumstance, knowing this, that if God would not spare his own son, will he not care for and provide for every one of our needs? So here's the crucial truth, guys. We are not trying to make up a fantasy world where we are going to be at peace because we're ignoring the reality of the world around us. That's not what this passage is asking us to do. Instead, the passage is asking us to live in the reality of the peace that Christ has won for us. Listen, I I have two small boys, and when they wake up in the morning, they are not anxious because their parents are downstairs, and they know they're going to get breakfast, somebody's going to take care of them, somebody's going to help them, and so they wake up with a smile on their face like, yeah, let's do it. And friends, as I've been thinking and meditating about this passage, I thought, you know what? Because of Jesus, that's the way that I should wake up. Rather than playing the slots and thinking, okay, is everything going to line up? Am I going to finally achieve the, like, lottery piece? No. I can wake up assured that my Heavenly Father loves me, that Jesus has paid for my sins, that I have a future and a hope with Him, and that no matter what this day brings, I can be at peace because of Jesus and all He's done. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. So glad that you tuned in today to Better News Radio for Pastor Ricky's study through the happiest book in the Bible. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard today and that Jesus' joy is filling you up. If you ever find that you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, please give us a call at 915-562-7100. We love that we can pray for our listeners, so don't hesitate. 
That phone number again is 915-562-7100. Or you can email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. We'd also like to invite you to visit our website, betternewsradio.com. There you can listen to today's message again or search through our archive of previous teachings by Pastor Ricky. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to receive the latest messages as soon as they're available. Pastor Ricky has created an introduction video for our website visitors, telling you about the gospel message and why it's vital for the world today. Watch it online and find out more about the ministry of Better News Radio at betternewsradio.com. While we'd love to spend more time with you today, sadly, that brings us to our conclusion. We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in the book of Philippians and let the Holy Spirit guide your own time of study. He might just reveal something you never would have caught before. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to hear more from Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.